Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. On this week's episode, episode 48, join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter, where we talk about college football, the NFL, MLB, and of course, our signature segments, your weekly turtle tab, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions. Yeah, we're just going to jump right in today. We're going to jump Why into not? that phenomenal Cyclone football victory that uh, that we had on uh, on Saturday. For those of you that don't know, we uh, stopped Louisiana Monroe 72-20. to 20. Um, And just to sum it up like that, that was that was the kind of, kind of thumping that you expect top 25 teams to to do to bad teams like Louisiana. Like an Alabama or yeah. any SEC team, really. Yeah, that's the kind of thumping you expect a really good team to give to a really bad team. I think that game helped Iowa State's national perception significantly, even though, you know, as far as the standings go, it's the same as if it would have been a 21-20 to 20 win. But I think it helped our national perception a lot to finally stomp somebody like that. But it was a uh, it was an amazing record day for the Cyclones. Kyle, do you want to fill us in on all of the records that yeah. the Cyclone, specifically Cyclone offense, broke? So, so a quick plug for our eighty three eleven cast Instagram account. Uh, if you are all following that, you would have seen this uh, first stat that I'm going to throw out. So, Brock Purdy became the first Big Twelve player in conference history with 400 plus passing yards in a game, three passing touchdowns and three rushing touchdowns. And that's in the conference that's produced Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, a lot of quarterbacks who have the ability and talent to do that. So big game for Brock Purdy. He had over 500 total yards of offense in this game, did a lot with his legs, great pump fake on a touchdown run that he had. Um, It was the most points scored uh, in a game for the Cyclones since 1906, it was the second most points that the Cyclones have ever scored in a game. I do believe that number is 80, so they were close, but not quite there. Um, but yeah, that was that was kind of what we had on offense. Two two really uh, long touchdown passes. I believe one of them was the longest in Brock Purdy's career uh, in his two years to Tariq Milton. Um, I mean, his career is not that long. Keep that in mind. In, in his in his year ish of being the starting quarterback for the Cyclones. Slightly, I, would, I think I think it's a I think it's right out a year now. Because he he's uh, he first, came in and we, he came, came in would have been in week week five or week six last year. Yeah, so almost like, a year would have been about week six last year. So, mm-hmm. but as many games, including the bowl game, he's pretty much there right at. 12 games of starting experience so yeah yeah but it was it was probably his best game granted i mean louisiana Monroe, as we've been saying isn't anything but still it was good to see that offense flourish after it uh didn't look oh. great against you and i or iowa it was really good and to it was see a that. bad start to this game too it was i was i was a little concerned about the start of this game we turned the ball over on two of our first three mm. possessions with a brock purdy interception and a brock purdy fumble the, I, I don't shaking. think Brock, Brock Purdy should not get – I mean, he'll get credited for that fumble, but it wasn't his fault. His running back ran into him on the uh, on the play fake. You, you got to know where you are if you're the running back, and you can't run into your quarterback on the play fake. And speaking of running backs, that's one thing that I really hope is a little bit more defined going into conference play is who is our starting running back? We keep rolling with the committee so far, and at the start of this game, it – it looked like it was hurting us. They looked they looked discombobulated out there. Um, and when you rotate running backs in like that, it's kind of hard for them to find a rhythm. Now, Johnny Lang was hurt in the game, so that op- opens the door for Kane Nwangu and Sheldon or Crony to get more touches, maybe Brees Hall. But we're wondering if um, Brees Hall and Jareel Brock are maybe going to get red shirts for the— the season Brock so. will get red shirted at this point we haven't used him yet I doubt we're going to use him in five we did in games. this game oh you did did at the yeah. end of this he he came in he ran he ran really well and really hard uh for um I think he got he got an entire drive at the end with okay Mitchell. but I don't believe Hall appeared in the uh Iowa game so that puts him at two games total 
And then I don't think, and I think that it was uh, the first game. So they could still both be redshirted because remember now over the, with the new redshirt rules that were adopted previous to last college football season, say that a player can play in four games and still um, take a redshirt year. So I don't think uh, Hall will, uh, will qualify for that, having already appeared in two of the first three games. But I think that Brock will, um, have, will probably will probably make sure he does not appear in more than four games. I will agree save, that. Save that red shirt, yeah. We're probably not going to have too many blowouts the rest of the year. I mean, maybe Kansas, but other than that, each game... Maybe will, Kansas, maybe West Virginia. West Virginia, yeah. But other than that, each game, the games will probably be close. And if he's going to be our garbage time back, even if Lang is out for a significant amount of time... Uh, did we hear what that injury was? I mean, it looked like it could have been some sort of dislocated shoulder or something live. To me, to me, it looked like the way his arm was hanging, he did something to his elbow. His elbow? It, okay. It was an elbow injury. It so wasn't at- much of a shoulder, and he wasn't holding it up to keep weight off of that shoulder from hanging. He was, like, supporting his forearm, which in my case led me to believe it was an elbow, but I have not seen an official report on that. Okay. I assume that'll come out during Campbell's press conference on Monday afternoon. I he would. has a weekly press conference Monday afternoon. I presume somebody will be smart enough to ask him about that. Yeah. So uh, so keep an eye on that, on the uh, Cyclone Coach Campbell media interview to figure out what his is. But well, one thing that looks really good, in my opinion, was our offensive line again. Yes, I agree. It looked awful against you and I, but then, I mean, we praised it in our last episode talking about how good it was, especially uh, Julian Good-Jones last week against Iowa, and I think they looked really good again this week against Louisiana Monroe. Um, we have been without uh, Con Newell for the last two weeks, and uh, was the Downing kid, is that uh, mm-hmm. the guy's name who stepped up? And, yep, who's been, doing, who's been doing really good He actually, according day, to... So. According to one stat group, he made uh, like he was one of the highest rated offensive linemen in college football all week. Highest graded. That's pretty good for performance. So. so I think this offensive line is still in good hands here. So that's pretty good. And we'd like to see that offensive line continue to push forward as we go into conference play here with the uh, Big 12 slate starting for the Cyclones this next week. But there is one there's one big concern outside of, you know, figuring out the running backs that uh, Kyle and I identified from the game, yeah. and that was covering running quarterbacks. I mean, oh. you're going to find some running quarterbacks in the Big 12. I mean, specifically Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma yep. uh, will be able to run. But, and and granted, now Oklahoma State's, Oklahoma State's quarterback is a dual threat as well. Yeah. So, and yes, granted that uh, Louisiana Monroe's quarterback is – a dual threat quarterback. I mean, that is what he does. He's the school's leading rusher for a quarterback in school history. So, I mean, but still, you're going to have quarterbacks who'll be able to run. And normally this, this three, three, five cloud defense cycle and play is good at containing quarterbacks with the late mm-hmm. blitzing linebacker, right? That's sort of what it's designed to do is contain or that star position in Greg Eisworth being able to handle, come up and stop those, the, that position. Yeah, he also looked like he got banged up, too. Eisworth got banged up uh, this last week. So. I can see Braxton, Braxton Lewis sliding into that spot if Greg Eisworth does miss time. Yeah, we'll have to see. Hopefully somebody will ask uh, what's, what's on with Braxton yeah. Lewis, and we'll figure it out here going into the week. But, yeah. So we've got to figure out how to contain running quarterbacks. Won't be that big of a deal against Baylor, I don't think. As far as I know, Baylor's quarterback isn't an outstanding rusher. Charlie I mean, Brewer I, is a pocket passer. Yeah. So that won't necessarily be a problem against Baylor, but it's going to be something they'll have to figure out before they play the likes of Oklahoma State and Oklahoma coming up here end of October, early November as the season rolls along. But overall, the team looks pretty good going into Baylor. I feel about probably the way I should feel going into Baylor. I mean, yes, it would have been nice to uh, to have beaten Iowa, but it didn't happen. You took care of business against your bad teams, and you're going in with still a shot at a Big 12 title, right? You're still in the Big 12 title conversation. You're still in the uh, 
slightly in the college football playoff conversation, though, I mean, that's probably not going to happen. That was always just a pipe dream, let's be honest. But you kept yourself in the conversation, taking care of business against the bad teams. So you're doing your job, and now you're coming up with Baylor. What do you expect from us uh, against Baylor here? I think uh, it's going to come down to our defense being able to continue to make stops. Um, Baylor's not really known for their defense. And under Matt Rule, Matt Rule is an offensive-minded coach, um, similar to how, um, I mean, kind of a a dumbed-down version of what uh, they used to run with um, the guy's name. The coach's name is... Uh, the guy got kicked out because he couldn't keep his players from sexually assaulting yeah. people. I yeah, that guy. Name too. I just uh, kind of wiped him from my memo. He shouldn't. That's, that's fair. Um, but they are more of an offensive team. So if we can slow them down, slow Charlie Brewer down, um, and be able to score like we did uh, in similar fashion against Louisiana Monroe, um, I think the Cyclones have a really good shot at going into Baylor and winning this game. Um, it's, it's not going to be... It's not going to be necessarily a super hostile environment. Baylor has the smallest uh, stadium in the Big 12, um, not necessarily in attendance. That is still KU because uh, nobody shows up to football games there. They uh, almost should have beat West Virginia. They should have. You, you remember that? You remember that stat I threw out last week about uh, how the Cyclones dominated yardage and still lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, KU did that same thing to West Virginia this week and still lost. So. We that can chalk goes, it up to three losses in that category now. That just goes to show how a, how a team that is that's that's an undisciplined team not being able to win a football game. So, in yeah. case that's, I mean, that, that's what it comes. The same to. thing about us against Iowa yeah. last week. Yep, and that's how it is. But against Baylor, I see ourselves uh, being able to hopefully take care of business. The one thing that I did mention in our cycle and football preview episode, uh, I guess. Three weeks ago now, four weeks ago, I four guess. Weeks ago, yeah. Yeah. They, I talked about uh, if we came into this Baylor game potentially undefeated, I thought that it could be a trap game for us, um, not experiencing a loss. We've already experienced a loss. I think Matt Campbell wants to start this team out on the right foot, get that first conference victory under their belt, and come home happy and ready to beat TCU. Yeah, I agree. I think the Cyclones take care of business, but it all is going to come down to this defense and turnovers. The Cyclones yep. finally generated their first turnover um, in the game against Louisiana Monroe. Uh, you're going to have to be able to generate turnovers here if you're going to want to, or not necessarily generate turnovers, but you can't lose the turnover battle like you nope. did against you and I in Iowa. You've got to at least be neutral in turnovers if you want to win Big 12 games. And those are the kind of details that Coach Campbell, um, Coach Campbell preaches, uh, sticking to those details. So I expect that the Cyclones will continue to clean it up and hopefully stop fumbling all the time as they've mm-hmm. been doing but also you're right that it won't be uh that hostile environment uh you can get uh you could get some tickets to this uh this game uh for as low as uh 15 bucks in the upper bowl at baylor nice. so go cycle nation go to waco Go visit Chip and Joanna Gaines stuff <laughs> if you want to in Waco, Texas, because other than ba- the University of Baylor, there's literally nothing to do there. Um, also yeah, go to that football game, be loud. Fun fact, the Baylor Bear doesn't actually exist. It's just an empty enclosure that they say there's a bear in. It's a conspiracy theory. There's no real bear. That's all. Uh, speaking of theories, and one theory that's been crossing uh, some Twitter conversation is Matt Campbell to Michigan, which will never happen, mainly because uh, of Matt Campbell's bio. I was going to say, Matt Campbell, Matt Campbell hates Michigan, I'm sure. But let's talk about Jim Harbaugh. Is Jim Harbaugh on the hot seat? And before I get into that, let me just give you a few stats that I dug up. Uh, he is 8-11 and 11 against ranked opponents. Um, last, this weekend, they were absolutely embarrassed by Wisconsin. They got shut out in the first half. Uh, he has a one in I hate three. the Badgers. He's one in three in bowl games. Not great. One in nine versus top ten uh, rank or top ten ranked teams. And Matt Campbell's oh, better than that. Zero oh in four against Ohio State. That's their rival. That, the whole that's as many wins as Matt Campbell reason, has against Ohio State. The whole reason <laughs> why he was brought in was to beat Ohio State. I mean, that's not the whole reason. 
But I mean, that's what, who's that's what they win a really national want title. They'd rather win a national title. I mean, you're right, but they also want to beat Ohio State while they do it. I mean, yes, everyone wants to beat Ohio State. Nobody likes Ohio State, unless, you know, you like Ohio State. So, the anyway. news on Ohio State, though, they were told that they could not trademark the word the. Like oh, last the week God. or something. Die. You yeah. mispronounced it. It's the. the. Sorry, the. Ohio State. The. Breaking news, I know. Also, they got safetyed in the first quarter of their game <laughs> yeah. on Saturday. I enjoyed that. Granted, uh, they only gave up about five points, and two of them were on that safety. But they still got safetyed, and it was kind of funny. Anyway, to speak to speak to your point of uh, should of should uh, Jim Harbaugh got fired. So I heard I heard the chatter going into this year, right? I mean, of the if he doesn't beat Ohio State, should he get fired? And I was like. No, you're consistently winning nine, ten games. I get it. His job was to come in here and beat Ohio State. But as long as he's still winning nine, ten games every year, getting you to New Year's Six Bowl games, it's fine. But then they go out and they have they looked awful this year, right? They looked, they awful, looked awful against Army. But I was going to say, they got embarrassed by Wisconsin. Army took them to overtime. I mean, they, they, they've been embarrassed this year. Their quarterback so, has fumbled more times than he's thrown touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unlike uh, Jalen Hurts, who going into the week uh, had accounted for more touchdowns than incompletions. Yeah. But um, anyway, uh, is he on the hot seat? Yes. But they'd have to finish. The, this season would have to turn out to be a disaster. If they still come back to win nine or ten games, or if they beat Ohio State, right, he's fine. But if they lose to Ohio State, end up winning seven games, go to a middling ball, lose that, I could. It is conceivable now to me, and I wouldn't be shocked if this season goes off the rails and Jim Harbaugh gets fired. But, uh, I just, I just think there's something wrong with this team. I don't know what it is. There's something wrong with this team. It doesn't look like they have a desire to actually win football games. I mean, everybody wants to win football games. It just doesn't look like they are executing details well enough to win football games. Yeah. That's what it looks like to me, at least. You've got to execute to win football games. That's what Matt I Campbell guess, says. you got to execute it, the details opinion, and then not. In my opinion, I agree with everything that you say. I think that if they lose to Ohio State and they then don't win the Big Ten or get to at least the Big Ten championship game this year, Jim Harbaugh will not be in in Lansing anymore. Even if, even if they go 11 and one, their only losses to Ohio state, but Ohio state goes to the big 10 championship. Their only loss isn't to Ohio state. Okay. Right? The only other loss, if they go 10 and two, only other losses to Ohio state. You still think he gets fired? Uh, See, I can't advocate if, for that. Yeah. I don't, if I don't they go eight and four and they lose to Ohio state. Yes. I'll add. I can. And they, and they not if they finish 10 to a good bowl game, but I don't know. It's that's hard to tell right now. I think I think the chatter is warranted at this yeah. point because Michigan fans are definitely upset. But I agree with all the points that you make. I just see that there's a very real possibility that at the end of this season, Jim Harbaugh won't be there. Yeah, that's fair. It's possible. It's very possible. It's very possible. We'll have to see. My favorite uh, prediction website still gives Michigan a where is Michigan. Still gives them a 2% chance of going to the college football playoff. So, I mean, they're still fine. I'd, I'd relax a little bit. Yeah. Granted, you know, that's a worse chance than they give Minnesota to make the college football playoff. So maybe you should be panicking a little bit. Because <laughs> Minnesota has a better chance to make the playoff than you. And so, does, and so does Iowa State. And Missouri <laughs> and Cal and Wake Forest and Virginia. They're not good at football. Nope. All right, I'm done now. They're the only other team in the ACC that's potentially worth anything right now. They almost lost Old Dominion last week. I know, I know. But, you know, Michigan fans are pissed off at this previous weekend. But, Mike, I think we were were talking during the game. You're a little pissed off about something else, right? Which thing thing am I getting upset about? The thing that I was going to get upset about or the thing that I'm now going to get upset about? That you're now going to get upset about. The thing that I'm now going to get upset about is, so really this started, uh, what day was it? Was it Thursday? Maybe it was mid- middle of this last week. Um, Big Ten, uh, Big Ten, Big 12 basketball schedules came out. 
And there were two two main observations that I'd like to point out that I'm upset about both of them. First, for the second year in a row, the Cyclones or the Kansas game at Iowa State will be in Ames during Christmas break. This is absurd. Because, right, this this puts Iowa State at a disadvantage competitively, right? Because there aren't students at the game then, right? That puts Iowa State at a distinct competitive disadvantage. And, I mean, I get it. Every once in a while it has to happen, right? Some conference games are played during Christmas break. Somebody has to play them at home. I get it. But the fact two years in a row it happens against Kansas, the biggest game of the year, that's ridiculous. Second thing, and I think we've touched on this in a previous episode, but I didn't really get all that upset about it because I didn't realize how big of a deal it actually was. But So the Big 12 had a new partnership uh, with ESPN that basically gave ESPN all rights to broadcast any game that they don't put on their big networks on ESPN Plus, which is their new streaming service, which isn't included with any other TV package. And so it included one football game. The deal included one football game per year for every team. And I was like, okay, whatever. Now Iowa State, you and I is going to be on ESPN Plus every year, whatever. You, who cares? Right? But I didn't realize how much effect no, this is going to have on... No, it's a Big 12 conference game, I think. Is it a Big 12 conference game? It has anyway. to be a conference game. Because they, haven't, they didn't start it until this week when KU played West Virginia. Yeah, true. KU, West Virginia. And the first so game. Iowa, State, Iowa State, Oklahoma, and Texas are excluded this year from well, that. Well, there are a lot of schools that are excluded this year. Yeah. I from, Texas and Oklahoma that, are excluded permanently. That is true. But anyway. Right. Mostly, you know, Texas is excluded because... ESPN owns long ESPN owns Longhorn Network. They put the game on Longhorn Network. ESPN gets the same benefit. But um, anyway, but I didn't realize how big of an effect this was going to have on basketball. Right, the Cyclones. I think I counted eight conference basketball games are going to be on ESPN Plus this year. These are games that previously would have been on ESPN two. Right, so basically ESPN is taking advantage of the fact that any game they don't put on their major networks gets to be on ESPN Plus by not taking games that normally would have been on their major network and just putting them on ESPN+. And it's ridiculous, mm-hmm. right? Like that Iowa State-Kansas game, right? That's like one of the biggest, going to be one of the biggest games in the Big 12 basketball this year. And it's on ESPN+, because ESPN can take advantage of it. It's ridiculous. That was a poor, I mean, I guess I don't know the financials of how much money the Big 12 is making off that agreement, but they screwed over their fans with, yep. with that agreement. That's, and that's now... And now ESPN is just continuing to make a monopoly out of this because ESPN Plus, they you have to pay an extra amount of money for each month. I believe it's five dollars a month. But there's a there's a package where you can get Hulu, Disney Plus, and now ESPN Plus. So I guess fans are going to be Hulu, ESPN Plus, and Disney Plus watchers. So yeah, ESPN Plus is four ninety nine a month. Fun fact. So get used to it. Um, but as Kyle said, you can you can bundle Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus for only twelve ninety nine a month, which is actually a fairly good package. It deal. is if you were going to get all of them. But if you're like me, who doesn't care about Disney Plus and has Netflix instead of Hulu, then you're not going to get it. Yep. There you go. But anyway. Anyway, that's anyway. Just be aware of that, Cyclone fans. The basketball, the effect on basketball is going to start happening this year. So be aware of that, Cyclone fans. As you're looking for those basketball games this year, you might want to look into getting ESPN Plus if you care about that Cyclone basketball. I know I might have to do that. So, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a. I am very pissed off about that, but I am also pissed off about another thing. This so, so far this season. So far this season, in watching NFL football games, I have just become very upset with a lot of officiating that has gone on. Mainly, well, I'm I'm very upset about the replay for pass interference, but that's we a talked different about that last for a different day. We already did that. So this week, uh, you all might be able to go to Twitter or Instagram and see that now, since there's a lot of videos swirling around. There is a play in the... Lions versus Eagles game today where Corey Clement, the running back for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, was tackled by his face mask, primarily his face mask, and that was it. His face, his helmet was turned 
90 degrees with his head before the helmet finally gave way and spun over 180 degrees backwards. His helmet came off and Corey Clement's head snapped back forward on that play. No flag was thrown on that play. How how do you miss that if you are an NFL referee? What game are you watching? I don't think they're watching the game on the field. I, I seriously don't know how they can miss so much during an entire game and still have a job. They're essentially weathermen. They can get everything wrong and still get paid at the end of the day. Yeah. It, it just boggles my mind. Yeah. The NFL needs to figure out their officiating situation oh. at some point. But I they, they said they're going to try to stop calling as much offensive holding here starting next week. So that would be good. There have yes. been like four more offensive holding calls per game this year through the first two weeks than there were through the first two weeks last year. That's insane. Four more per game. Too many. Too many. That's because that's that's what that's what NFL fans were thinking this offseason. Do you know what'll make the game better? More offensive holding. That's what I was looking for. We Why love. I think of that. Thank you, NFL overlords. I'm so glad you figured that out for me. We love our team being in first and 20 instead of first and 10. Well, first and 40 if you're the Chicago Bears. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the uh, the actual games that happened uh, this week, uh, if you yeah. want, Kyle. I think the biggest game was probably uh, your Kansas City Chiefs yes. facing the Ravens. What happened yep. there? It was So it was the game that was probably the most, most talked about throughout the week was um, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes uh, facing off in Arrowhead. So the first home game for the Chiefs on the season. Um, the reason why it was so anticipated is Lamar Jackson um, had such a great first two weeks. Um, he went off against the Dolphins. Um, everybody has. Everybody has so far. Um, but the, it was such an anticipated game just to see them uh, square off against each other. And lo and behold, Patrick Mahomes is officially still better. Um, so in this game, just the stats, Lamar Jackson was 22 of 43 for 200 uh, 267 yards, no touchdowns, uh, and he had three sacks. He also rushed eight times for 46 yards with one touchdown. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had, was 27 for 37, 374 yards, three touchdowns, and was only sacked once. Uh, four rushes for nine yards. Um, all in all, Patrick Mahomes had the better showing in this game. Um, Lamar Jackson showed, or Lamar Jackson was looked was made to look silly and confused sometimes against the Chiefs defense, um, which didn't confuse Gardner Minshew. So is Gardner Minshew better? Who knows? Um, but in this game. Uh, in this game, Lamar Jackson just showed that he was he was um, not as good as Patrick Mahomes. Um, so it was, it was a good win for the Chiefs. Uh, two teams coming into the game two and zero, and so now the Chiefs are three and zero on the season. Um, Jackson got lucky in the game with two absolute prayer heaves that the Chiefs decided not to defend or actually ca- go and try and catch the football. Um, so that was that. Um, speaking of young quarterbacks, however, uh, the Giants decided to um, bench their two-time Super Bowl MVP Eli Manning for uh, Daniel Jones. Uh, he made his first start against the Buccaneers and actually led a game-winning touchdown drive in the last uh, two minutes of the football game against the Buccaneers. Granted, it is the Buccaneers, another team who isn't uh, supposed to be anything super amazing this year. Uh, but Daniel Jones actually had a t- good game, two uh, passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. Um, I believe yeah. no interceptions. Saquon yeah. Barkley was hurt in this game, so it was Daniel Jones having to carry the load. Uh, and, yeah, so a lot of New York Giants fans have finally have something to maybe be happy about. Uh, I still don't think the Giants are going anywhere this year, um, but that's maybe. something that, that – Maybe, that we'll maybe some out. hope for the future. Plus, maybe some uh, hope it was- for the future. It was the first time since I think it was 2006 that the Giants had won a game not um, not quarterbacked by Eli Manning. 
So yeah. that was big. And hey, well, also a very, of- very similar fact about the, the, uh, the New Orleans Saints who won a game today oh, in yeah. Seattle with Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback. It was the first time since like 2006 or something, somewhere around there, that they'd won a game without uh, Drew Brees as their quarterback. Yep. So, Well, and speaking about quarterbacks not uh, starting games, this week three of the season featured, I guess this is talking about old quarterbacks being phased out, week three featured 20 starting quarterbacks age 26 or younger. So. That's a lot. So that is that is a lot, and that's with teams obviously who are hurt at quarterback. You mentioned the Saints; um, uh, they benched Eli Manning in New York. Uh, the Jets, is hurt. Roethlisberger is hurt. Mason Rudolph looked pretty good. Um, no, he, didn't. he looked he he looked, he looked better okay. than Luke Falk of the Jets. I mean, that he's supposed to be. Yeah. So it is what it is. Um, yeah. So that's that's just kind of an amazing stat about the uh, amount of youth that we're seeing on the football field right now. Yeah, uh, lots of transition. Yep. Another uh, interesting game for the week, or at least interesting to me, was the Vikings steamrolling the Raiders. I mean, this Vikings team, Delvin Cook. I'm going to say it. He's the best running back in the NFL. Sorry. He's steamrolling the NFL. Yeah. Sorry, Ezekiel Elliott and uh, Saquon Barkley. Delvin Cook is the best running back in the NFL. I mean. This Vikings blueprint for this season is clear. It's just like it was back uh, with Adrian Peterson, right? You run the ball. You don't put your quarterback in any situation where he has to make a big play. And you let your defense uh, play well, and you're going to win games. This team, as long as this team doesn't fall behind big like they did last week against Green Bay, this team is going to win football games. As long as they can, as long as they don't have, as long as Kirk Cousins doesn't have to make big plays. This team is going to win a lot of football games because Dalvin Cook can run. And even Alexander Madison, the backup, ran well, had a touchdown as he hurdled a defender um, in this game. So the blueprint is clear for the Vikings as they uh, rolled over the Raiders today. Run the football. Run it on the Bears next week. That'll be the big test if the Vikings yep. can run the ball um, successfully against uh, Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack there. Hopefully, yep. uh, Akeem Hicks doesn't just pick up Ray Bradbury and throw him at Kirk Cousins because that just, might happen. It just so. goes to show how good Dalvin Cook can be when he's healthy. He struggled with injuries for his first, what is this, his third season? So his first two years in the NFL? Yep. He's got the injury bug. But um, just real quick, so the remaining undefeated teams uh, in the NFL right now, we have the Chiefs, the 49ers, uh, which somehow are playing really good football uh they escaped against the Steelers today uh the Bills also escaped against the Bengals who are awful the Lions are are um 2 and 1 the Rams are also 2 and 0 they're playing right now on Sunday night football as we record the Packers the Cowboys and the Patriots now to get to um just another segment in a ongoing saga uh, that continues to create a story for another ESPN uh, 30 for 30 episode. I can't wait to watch this 30 for 30. Antonio Brown. Why? How can you ruin your life anymore? Just, just do your worst to yourself, I guess. I mean, he's, he's trying. He, he's he trying. certainly has dug himself into a hole. So just to recap, um, this week on Friday, uh, the Patriots release Antonio Brown after playing one game. Um, He gets released on his off day. Uh, And then this morning, this morning, we wake up to the the fact that he has taken to Twitter in an absolute tirade um, and saying that he is never going to play for another NFL team ever again. So he semi-retired, but I don't think he really retired. Really, he just wants the Players Association to go after the Raiders and uh, Patriots for not giving him any money. Um, If I'm the Players Association, this is not the hill I want to die on. Uh, This is is not what I'm going for if I'm the, uh, the Players Association. Figure these things out in the next collective bargaining agreement. Just tell Antonio Brown to go away and shut up. Don't worry about it there. That's what I would do if I was the uh, if I was the Players Association. A lot of players don't like Antonio Brown, so don't die on this hill. Don't alienate your your uh, base going forward. But 
he just keeps he just keeps losing money. He was set to make thirty million dollars this year. Uh, he end is going to end up making about a about one hundred and fifty thousand this year. Lost mm-hmm. himself a lot of money, a lot mm-hmm. of money, a lot of money. But do you know what also had a lot of money involved? What's that? The the sale of the Royals, which is about the only thing interesting that's happened to the Royals all yeah. year. I'm just going to keep this short and sweet. There's not much to say here. Let's get to the offseason. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Mondesi got hurt today. Did you see that? Yeah, it, they're just going to shut him down for the year. It's that nothing super serious. Um, they're, they just don't want him to hurt himself again because they'd rather have him play next year than in the rest of the season. When they might actually have a chance at something. Yep. The only thing that was... Decent about this season is the Royals finished their road, um, their all their road games, uh, two games better than what they finished last season. So, well, they were only progress. They were only twenty eight and fifty three on the road, so that shouldn't be an accomplishment. I mean, they've lost a hundred ball games and there's still a week left in the year. That's not yeah. good. No, it's it's not. It's not good. And they, they have to play of, the Twins again. Yeah, there'll be four teams in baseball that finish with 100 losses. Uh, the Tigers already have 109 losses. The Orioles are sitting at 105. The Marlins have 101 losses, and the Royals have 100. And uh, unless Toronto has a really bad week next week, um, those will be the only – by really bad, I mean lose all their games. Those are the only four teams that will finish with 100 losses this year. So, But the Tigers – um, may have a chance to be the worst uh, team in the modern era of baseball, um, sitting at 109 losses. I don't remember. I don't remember what that Mets team um, had for losses. Let me see. Um, or sorry, it was the, the yeah the 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 most recent one was the the 62 Mets. They went 40 and 120. So there's no way that the uh, the Tigers can beat that with uh, the most losses they could finish with is um, 116-ish. So I guess the Tigers won't be the worst team in baseball history. They're just really, really bad. Mm-hmm. The bad. So, so another team that is most likely set to win the American League Central, how about your Minnesota Twins? Yep, the Twins just continued on their path of beating up on the bad teams in route to a probable American League Central crown. Took two out of three from the White Sox and then took three out of four from the Kansas City Royals. So those Twins are doing good. I'm just concerned about what this uh, starting rotation is going to look like in the playoffs. I mean, you've got Jose Burrios, you've got Jake Odorizzi, Kyle Gibson's awful. He can't pitch well even against the White Sox. Martin Perez is horrible. He got beat up by the uh, the Royals today pretty badly. So, I mean, you might have to go in with Randy Dobnik being your game two starter in the ALDS in Yankee Stadium. I've never heard of and him. Do, do you want to know just how unlikely this story is? Okay. Two years ago, Randy Dobnik was an Uber driver. He was an Uber driver. 4.9 stars, by the way, is his rating. So if you're looking for an Uber driver, Randy Dobnik. This year, he started in single A. And it was so unlikely that he would be in the major leagues. He scheduled his wedding for next weekend. He is getting married next weekend during the regular season. Hmm. That is how unlikely it was that Randy Dobnik would even be on this roster. Much less might be starting a playoff game also yep. fun fact after uh so after he pitched uh would have been friday against kansas city and pitched really well that was the first time twins fans found out that he was getting married here this next weekend so uh twins fans found his wedding registry and uh bought it out <laughs> so randy dobnik got everything he wanted for his wedding because twins fans bought it out for him so so Andy Dobnik is not available next weekend as he's getting married, but he will be ready for the playoffs as he will presumably be on the postseason roster and may get a game two start in Yankee Stadium. This is a guy who started the season in single A, if that speaks to how bad the Twins rotation is going to be going into the playoffs. But 
what the heck? This team can outslug anybody. So let's go outslug some people going to the playoffs. And and that's, there's there's some room to hit some fly balls in uh, Yankee Stadium. Well, that's that's why. I mean, I don't know if they'll start Dobnik in Game Two or Game Three, but I'm advocating for them to start him in Game Two instead of Game Three because Jake Odorizzi's fly ball percentage is large, while Randy Dobnik only gives about up about 17 percent of uh, at-bats resulting fly balls. So he's so a ground pitchers ball pitcher. That, yes. Pitchers that don't give up fly balls, better off in Yankee Stadium than pitchers who do. So that's yep. why I would start Dobnik in game two as opposed to game three. You can start Odorizzi back in the friendly confines of target field, where it's uh, must, much less likely to be home runs than there are in uh, Yankee Stadium. So, But again, I guess the Yankees could still pass the Astros, and uh, the Twins could play the true. Astros. First series, so. But I don't okay, know if that's, you want to face that Astros starting room. I'd rather face the Yankees than the Astros, but I would too. That's me personally. Well, we'll speaking of a team that probably won't have to face the Astros in the postseason, um, we would Wyatt, be who's, a team that won't have to face the Astros, but I mean the Cubs are a team that won't have to face the Astros. Yeah. So why who's, who's going to start Game One for the uh, Cubbies? Stop. Mean. <laughs> That's mean. So the Cubs are basically not going to make it to the postseason whatsoever. We have the Cardinals taking the uh, the NL Central spot, and uh, uh, who's who's taking the wild card? Brewers. Right now, it is the Nats and the Brewers that are yeah. the first two wild card spots. They are in a dead are tie. Four. Actually, yeah. not a dead tie. The Nats. They're in a. The Nats are technically .001 ahead of the Brewers. Cool. So they are. And the Cubbies are four games out of that. So there's there's not a f- bad chance in hell that uh, Cubbies are going to make it to the postseason. Well, there's, I mean, a, there's you what, could like have a two percent chance. Two percent. Not going to happen. There's, Less, I don't believe a, it. There's a worse there's a worse chance that the Cubs will make the playoffs than there is that the Cyclones will go to the college football playoff. <laughs> so. Statistically, we're unlikely to make it to the postseason. Yeah. That's that's really about it. It's kind of yeah. sad. Well, you that, you you just can't go and lose four at home. Yep. To the division leader, with a week and a half left to go in the year, if you want to make the especially, playoffs. Especially, especially the way that you guys lost those games, especially uh, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. I mean, you go, you get the you get the go ahead run scored on a balk in the eighth on Saturday, and then go ahead and uh, have Craig Kimball give up back to back solo shots. In the uh, in the ninth that you can't recover from, and then you give up two runs in the ninth again today to blow a lead. That's this is probably the worst I've ever seen, Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, I'm. That, yeah, if you just I, win those, it, just just win those two games, and right, I mean it's still not likely that you go to the playoffs, but you certainly a have a chance. So yeah, you just you're sitting lose. here at maybe five percent instead of two percent. Well, more than five. Yeah, right. Maybe closer to ten. Yeah. 15. Yeah. Yeah. There. Still not likely, but still very, very possible. So, but it is not to be for the Cubs this year. Does Joe Madden get fired there? What do you think? Is he gonna, is I he don't think so. Around? I don't think so. Not I yet. So. Not after the disaster send the last year and this year. Not. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he got canned, but I don't think he's going to. Okay. I think. I think for who are you gonna get that's better than Joe Madden? Yeah. I don't know. I know. Pick any pick I, any of the young players, managers that are around these days. Rocco Baldelli, you can't have him, by the way, but just a thought. Yeah, I it's I just don't think I don't think it's cause for concern for the for the Cubbies to um, fire Joe Madden. So yeah. that's we'll that's see. my opinion. Let we'll him go see. another year. Let him we'll live another see. season. See what happens. Uh, we'll see. Um, but. Speaking of the Twins playoff roster, our weekly turtle tab today will focus on the um, on the possibility of Willens Astadio actually making the postseason roster, um, despite missing most of the year, and that's frankly because the Twins are hurt badly. Basically, it's going to come down to if A. Ray Adrianza, who strained his oblique about a week ago, if he's healthy, uh, he definitely makes the postseason roster. I mean, he's a veteran with a World Series ring that he won with the Giants with postseason experience. So he's going to make the postseason roster if he does. If he's healthy. If he's not, the Twins don't have anybody else. Right? Nobody else who's healthy and realistically could contribute to a playoff run. 
So Willens Ostadio will make the postseason roster if AUA Adrian's a hurt. So that's what uh, what you should keep an eye on in your weekly turtle tab. The status of AUA Adrianza to know if Willens Ostadio will make the postseason roster or not. Yeah. Um, going into Mike's stupid rules now. We are going to once again have. We are going to actually have a special edition of Wyatt's stupid rules in Mike's stupid rules segment, where Wyatt is going to tell everybody about the one point safety. Because uh, I said when Wyatt made his one point safety, write that down prediction that we were going to refresh everyone's memory on what it was, and we haven't done that yet. So, would you be so kind as to do that for us, Wyatt? I would be more than happy to talk about the best result of a play in football history this is my favorite thing that can potentially happen on the gridiron so imagine this you have a team that just scored a touchdown they're going to go for the point after a touchdown attempt they set up for the kick the ball snapped the kicker's foot contacts the ball and it is sent flying towards the goal post however the defense gets his hand on it and knocks the ball down the ball is recovered by the receiving team Outside of the end zone. It's picked up. And then whoever that runner is gets forced back into their own end zone and is tackled for a safety. That is what a safety is when you're down in your own end zone when you have possession of the ball or if the ball goes out the back of the end zone. But we're not going to worry about that scenario here. When that happens, the rule is that one point is awarded to the team. And that is the only way that a team can score one point in football is through a one-point safety. It's only worth one point because the team was only attempting one point, so you can only award, I guess, whatever, however many points. You're limited by, by the number of points the uh, the offensive team, I guess, is going for. I don't really well, understand well, why it's one I mean, point, to be quite th- honest. Th- th- think but about it, it this matter. way, right? A normal safety is worth two points, right, which is on yep. a normal play. You can't give them the same number of points as if it was a normal play because it's not a normal play. So you, I mean, that's that's the justification, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. The for offense sure. can only get two points from it, so they shouldn't be able to get two points from safety and you. So, right? I'm like, so yeah. Basically, that that's why. Doesn't really matter why, but yeah. that's what happens. That's why. That's why. There you go. Thank you, Wyatt. I appreciate you filling us in and being a special guest on Mike's Stupid Rules. I do my best, Mike. Um, but you can continue talking now because I think you got to hold us accountable for our write that down prediction. I segment. do. Well, I have to hold me and Kyle accountable. You didn't have any predictions come off the board this week. Did not. We did have three predictions come off the board, though one from Kyle and two from me. Um, prediction off the board from Kyle was he predicted that Whit Merrifield would have 200 plus hits this season. He picked up his 200th hit against the Twins this Sunday afternoon. So for that, Kyle gets a ding, 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 ding. Um, I had predicted a long, long time ago near the beginning of the year that uh, three AL East teams will make the playoffs. Uh, the Red Sox did not uh, did not come through for me. So for that, I get a nah. nah. I also predicted that Jorge Polanco would lead the American League in hits. Uh, he's still fourth. Uh, he's not going to catch Whit Merrifield or Rafael Devers or DJ LeMahieu. So for that, I get a nah. nah, nah. Well, that is the end of our that accountability up, session. Right? What? That what? sums it up, right? For our accountability session, yes, it does. So now we move on to our predictions, which, Kyle, you always lead us off on. So why don't you do that I think, again for I think us? I have a good one for this week. So for next week's game against the Baylor Bears... Brock Purdy will be responsible for four or more touchdowns in the game. Four or more? Mm-hmm. Double, triple? What do you think, Triple. Why? I'm thinking triple. That's I'm not even too. totally confident that four touchdowns will be scored. I think I think triple is probably fair for that one. I'll give I'll give you a triple. Hey. Sounds good to me. What do you got, Mike? I so right now the twins right now the twins are currently tied. For the record of most uh, consecutive playoff losses in baseball, um, la- um, so I am predicting that the Twins will break that record and have the most um, consecutive playoff losses. Um, 
the last time the Twins won a playoff game was the 2004 Division Series against the New York Yankees, Game 1 of that 2004 Division Series. The Twins, since then, the Twins have lost 3, 6, 9, 12, 13 straight postseason games, which is tied for the Major League record. So they only need one game to break that. Yeah, so basically, if they lose game one of the ALDS to the Yankees slash Astros, they break it. A double? Double? Yeah. It's like a, I view a double as a 50-50 chance of the event coming through. All right, I'll take a double for that. I'll take a double for that. What do you got for us, Wyatt? Antonio Brown's going to play for the XFL. Oh, God. <laughs> I would give you a home run for that. I would as well. I would love to see it, but I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think he's stepping up the field again this season. I would love it. I would love it, but I don't think going to happen. I had that I had that hot take down after the Patriots cut him before he even said he was going to stop playing for the NFL. So just yeah. want to put that out there. There you go. There you yeah. Go. Do you have anything from Josh this week? I do. I did hear from Josh. Josh predicted that the Brewers will win at least one playoff game. So keep in mind that... They're going to be the wild card, then unlikely to catch the Cardinals. Well, it's mathematically impossible for them to catch the Cardinals. So they will be the wild card team. They will either host Washington or go to Washington for the wild card game. So basically, we're picking whether or not the Brewers are going to win that game. Double. I agree that that should be a double. I mean, it's like a 2% chance. We still have a 2% chance to get that wild card spot. Yeah, but only (laughs) one of those 2% are over the Brewers, right? The other percent is over Washington. Right. So. The Brewers have a 98% chance of making the playoffs. So <laughs> remember that the Mets also have a 2% chance. So Fair there's one, 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 one of the Brewers' percents is from, for the Cub, from the Cubs and the other is for the Mets. Just the same thing for the Nationals. So Since we got all four predictions down for our Write That Down prediction segment, that concludes this segment, which also concludes the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 48 of the 8311Cast. If you haven't already, check out our Instagram account, at 8311Cast. Signing off for the (laughs) 8311Cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Cyclones.